Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from pewterreport.com. Along with me today is Matt Matera, back from suspension to give you his Bucks battle plan for the offseason. Also from pewterreport.com, you can read Matt's Bucks battle plan up right now at Pewter Report. Some good stuff in there. We're going to break it all down today. Matt, good to have you back on the show, man. Yeah, always great to be back. I mean, it's 77 degrees outside. St. Patty's Day is right around the corner. The Bucks are still Super Bowl champions. Last time I checked, and uh, the AC in my apartment was broken, but it just got fixed earlier today. So oh, I'm in a great deal. mood. That's yeah, great. Not sweating. Good. Yeah, good mood for the pod. Good, because I'm going to yeah. just unload on your Bucks battle plan, Let's man. Get I'm into it. I'm ready. <laughs> we will get into it. We will. I, take a lot I actually of don't, have that, I don't have that much negativity to say, to be honest, but I might manufacture some. Uh, just for the viewers to get uh, some entertainment out of it. But uh, we are going to talk about a lot of things. Bucks battle plan is one of the big topics for today. We're also going to talk about the arrest of a Buccaneers wide receiver and the repercussions that may have based on one of their pre-draft visits that they had with another player. So plenty to get to on the show today. And as always, it is brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. Matt Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I got my cream, my orange sickle. My, I almost have my cream sickle. My <laughs> orange sickle uh, Celsius. This is closing in on number one, man. This might have passed blueberry pomegranate for number two. I love the orange sickle. If you haven't had a chance to get it, folks, get it. It's part of the Celsius heat line. Love the heat line. Um, you know, zero sugar in these things. The energy boost they give you is tremendous. That's why I'm always amped up on the pod. Some people say, you're talking too fast. You must have had a chug to Celsius before we get on. You know, this is a big reason why it gives you that energy boost, but there's no crash after. There's none of the bad stuff for you. A lot of people have told me it's replaced soda for them. I'm telling you all, Celsius is a game changer. Make sure you check it out. You can check out Celsius and at Celsius.com and you can find where their uh, products are, or you could just go to Amazon and order the variety pack. Um, but they're in a lot of stores around you, I'm sure. They are they're everywhere. It's uh, it's a furious and furious movement as Celsius expands and grows and people start to fall in love with those products. So definitely check out Celsius uh, and get a hold of what they're selling because it's it's really good stuff. All right, Matt. Before we get to your battle plan, we've gotta we've gotta talk about my first breaking news story as a Bucks reporter Who would have thought? was not was not what I wanted it to be. Uh, Bucks wide receiver Jaden Mickens arrested a felony charge for concealed firearm in Los Angeles last weekend, Friday, March 5th. Not great. Uh, not great for him, obviously. Not, I mean, I thought he was really effective as a return guy. And then in the playoffs, you know, really did his best work as a return guy. So, um, and I think he's even as an extra receiver, he's a good player. He's a good, he's a bottom of the roster guy, but I think he's a good player to have around. We'll see what ends up happening with this. Obviously not ideal. Um, you know, I think more details are going to come out. I'm not reporting anything else at this time, but I think more details are going to come out and we'll see where the Bucks uh, kind of come down on all of this. Um, but yeah, his next court date is set for July right now. I think July 8th, if I remember right, it's in the story on PeterReport.com. So good to break news is Peter Report. Obviously, it's not like our, you know, our thing is analysis. Obviously, right. that's always our thing. Our opinions, our analysis, our ability to kind of take everything in and, um, and give you our spin on it, uh, educated spin on it. But when we get the chance to break some news, we do and we did. Um, it was fortunately the storyline, not exactly what you want to hear, but Matt, I mean, Jaden Mickens, you watched him this season. You've seen Bucks returners. You watch Kenyon Barner. I mean, I know the Bucks have this kind of history of not really <laughs> making a big splash in the return game. Was it different for somebody who's covered the team for a while to see him kind of, I mean, in the playoffs, he made some, I mean, he, in the Super Bowl, he was really effective throughout those games and it'd be a shame to, to not have him for next year. Yeah. First of all, First off, kudos to you for breaking the story and stealing my moment. It's supposed to be my day with the battle plan. But anyway, um, yeah, Mickens played some of his best football when the playoffs came around. I, we've seen a little bit for years where um, the Bucks didn't really have much of a return game, and that's 
I wouldn't say it was priority. It clearly wasn't priority number one, but it was something that was on the mind of the Bucks coaching staff. They wanted to improve. Yeah. Mickens really played a good role when it came to the postseason. Uh, you just mentioned about you know previous years uh, with the Bucks. The number one thing that stands out to me, and I guess at the end of the day, it didn't really matter, was there was a preseason game where Adam Humphreys, the the opponent, tried to kick like a you know sixty yard field goal at, at the end of halftime, and Humphreys no. caught it at like you know, right before the field goal post and returned it 99 yards all the way for another touchdown. But again, preseason didn't matter. Um, but as you say, like, obviously he didn't get too many reps at wide receiver, but there was one game, the the Monday night game, where yes. he had a couple of receptions. It was like, all right, Jaden yeah. Mickens, a guy stepping up. They maybe who knows, they could use him. And that wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, it's unfortunate. You don't want to see something like that. Um, I don't necessarily think it's going to, destroy the box i mean a re returner no, obviously yeah, yeah. <laughs> a returner can obviously get replaced so yeah not the best news right but I, right I'm not gonna hurt the box too much i don't think yeah 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 for sure and kenneth posner saying that he's first time catching the show live so awesome uh glad what to up, have kenneth? kenneth here great to have a first time live viewer um you know just while i'm thinking of it right now actually some people are talking about live night shows and uh missing those ones that we did during the whole playoff month we can't do those all the time because of we have families too. And so uh, we've got to kind of juggle all of that. But next week we are going to be live in the evenings, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be live on the podcast. So I'll say it again later in the show, but just want everybody to make sure they're marking that down. Again, if you just want to, you don't want to try and remember and you just want to be notified when we go live, just go to YouTube. Hopefully you're subscribed already. Pewter Report TV on YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell, and you'll get the notifications for when we go live. You can just ignore them if you don't want to jump in and watch live at that time, and you can't. But we'll be live at 8 p.m. next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, because we're going to be breaking down all the moves during free agency that happened during the day, Bucks-related and otherwise. So we want to kind of get the news for the day and then be able to talk, tackle and talk about it in the evenings that week. So it's going to be a great week on the show. Make sure you're subscribed. Remember, it helps us out if you're watching on YouTube. Most of you are at this point. That's great. I know some of you jump on Twitter, and I appreciate that, too. I love listeners from anywhere, but it helps us out if people are watching on YouTube, subscribing on YouTube, spreading the word to subscribe and watch on YouTube, and obviously hit that bell, get the notification so you don't miss any shows when we go live. The ripple effect from the Mickens thing, Matt, it's not a big ripple effect. Let's just be honest. I'm not going to blow smoke and pretend like Mickens you know, caused this whole thing. But I, I wonder for Antonio Brown, obviously he's going to be cheap. And I wonder if they think, you know what, this is, this might, might be our returner next year. You know, we want him back anyway. Here's another role. And that might be something that if they get AB back, helps them decide, you know, Mickens maybe isn't, it's not, uh, he's well, not going to be on Scotty Miller too. I don't think it's yeah. going to be Scotty Miller, but people wanted that. And Tyler Johnson did some kick return as well too. So right. the Bucks definitely have options. Yes, they have options. Exactly. And so I wonder if some, you know, this coupled with the options makes Mickens more expendable. Uh, if, especially if AB were to be back, at least in the punt return game, Mickens still a really good kick returner too. The other interesting part of it is that the Bucks had met virtually just recently with UCLA running back slash wide receiver, Demetric Felton in a pre-draft virtual meeting that they've been having with prospects. We've got the tracker over on pewterreport.com. It's updated. Look under the draft tab and you'll find that. Um, and so, yeah, I, this is, this is a guy who is dynamic, Matt. He's explosive. Um, he, he played, Running back and wide receiver, which reminds us of Antonio Gibson a little bit, right? From Memphis, mm -hmm. who went to Washington. But Arians has said if they didn't take Antoine Winfield in the second round, they would have taken Gibson. I don't think Felton's going to go quite that high. He's a little bit smaller. Um, he's probably a slot receiver in the NFL or like a change of pace receiving back. Could he protect? That's the question there. You know, can he be a full time receiver? That's the question of him in the slot. You know, but he looked good at the Senior Bowl. We know he's a weapon with the ball in his hands. Right now, he looks like a gadget guy, day three guy. Could he have some returnability? It wasn't a strength of his necessarily at UCLA, but there could be some ability there if he were to learn the, the fielding process and all of that. So finding the right fit for Felton is going to be interesting. With the Bucks meeting with him virtually, they've got some interest for sure there. And so we'll see kind of – we'll keep monitoring that as we get closer uh, to the draft, obviously. Okay, time to jump into this battle plan, Matt. Here we oh, go. Yeah. All right, re-signing. You are the first and the only. Oh, you didn't even Scott didn't even put him on here. Oh my word, Scott! He didn't put Antonio Brown on what? here. What? Oh how man, much Scott I texted him the whole list too, and he Look, was definitely. I'm, this is Scott, man. He wow. does not. 
He doesn't want AB guy left, this bad. He left off Antonio Brown for Ross Cockrell. I mean, look at the <laughs> look at that list. Chris Godwin, everyone loves him. Shaq Barrett, number one pass rusher. Domkin Sue, borderline Hall of Famer. Rob Gronkowski, Hall of Famer and top 100 player of all time. Levante David, probably the most loved Buccaneer potentially in history. And Ryan Suckup, who Scott Reynolds is, I can confirm, <laughs> obsessed with Ryan Suckup. And then it's Ross Cockrell. No disrespect to Ross Cockrell, because Ross Cockrell did great for the Bucs this season. It was a very pleasant surprise. I don't think anyone really saw it coming. But yeah, Antonio Brown was the um was I guess the big re-signing that I had because uh so far in these Bucks battle plans, I was the only one that brought back Antonio Brown. Right. I think you were. And this this is the sign that Scott's vitriol has gone too far. He was hoping that we'd just forget about AB completely. But now it's crossed the line, Scott. We're going to have to have an intervention with this man. The AV slander has gone too far. I mean, I consider bringing him back, to be honest, Matt. My biggest thing in my reasoning in the article, and I said yesterday, was I just thought Seattle might be that one team that just kind of outbid him a little bit. But certainly possible we could be back. I think you had one year, $3 million deal, which I think is – Probably about right uh, if he comes back. Something along those lines. Again, not much guaranteed money. What was kind of the genesis in your thought process of bringing him back? Yeah, originally I didn't even think I was going to be able to. But then the Bucks signed Levante David and the cap hit was so low for that first season that I was like, okay, I can make this a possibility. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a mystery when it comes to what the market is going to be for Antonio Brown because he is – so talented that he could get a lot of money, but the baggage <laughs> that comes with him is enormous. And I think a lot of almost every single team is going to shy away from that. Um, you had a good article about it where you were uh, when you looked into how much it, how much his cap was going to be this season. You said right around three to five million. So that's why I went with three million. Yeah. For me, what it comes down to is, as I said, he's supremely talented. You could argue maybe the most talented receiver on the Bucks roster. Um, I don't think, though, after a select number of games this season and the playoff run to winning the Super Bowl, I don't think Brown is even close to, quote unquote, repairing his image. And if mm-hmm. I was any other team in the league, I wouldn't take a chance on him. But I think because Brown has such a good relationship with Tom Brady, Tom Brady wanted to get Antonio Brown here. He did because of the friendship they have, because of the respect that he has for him. I think Brown knows that he's still that he's not out of the woods yet where he needs to, you know, stay on the straight and narrow path. And I really think Tom Brady is like one of the only guys that can help keep him out of trouble or out of the limelight. So I think mm-hmm. because of that, Brown plays for another season with the Bucks, and he just brings a whole nother dynamic to this offense. I mean, there's so there's already even if Brown doesn't come back. There's so many guys that are difficult to match up with in the first place. But once he got going with this team, he really showed his value. He was good in the playoffs when he was playing. He was hurt, and he got hurt in the New Orleans game, didn't play in the NFC Championship game. But he had a touchdown against Washington. He had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He just brings such a great element, and he can go a whole nother year with, like I said, staying on the straight and narrow, and hopefully, well, for him, he's probably hoping if he stays clean again, then he can go and get the bag or get that lucrative deal. So that was really my thought process into it, that he still needs to repair his image. Right. The one thing that has made me think maybe he does come back to the Bucs is that I, we forget sometimes how old he is because he, he missed some time and we, we just haven't yeah. talked about his age and his game is going to age really well, kind of like I've said this before on, on locker room chats at least, but I've said his game is going to age you know well like Larry Fitzgerald's game aged well, yeah. probably better than Larry Fitzgerald's game aged to be honest. Um, because Antonio Brown's game isn't predicated on elite athleticism. So his technique, his strength, all that stuff he still has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think his game will age well, and I think that he's going to be a difference maker wherever he goes. It's kind of funny because you look at the wide receiver rankings right now for free agency, then you have all these guys, you know, Will Fuller and Corey Davis and Juju and uh, whoever else is left out there, um, you know, kind of the mid-tier guys, and you're like, okay, like, you know, and then there's Antonio Brown down there at the bottom, and you're like, this guy could easily be the best of these dudes. He's only going to be on, and he's going to be the cheapest. You don't get that combination very often. Um, the Bucks, yeah. I mean, on the field, there's no question AB would help. Off the field, I'm concerned. I don't trust him. That was Scott's reasoning. I get that completely. But looking at it on the field, the Bucks did give him that shot. Maybe they feel like with Brady in this locker room, it's a situation that, that they can trust him once again. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what happens with AB when he hits free agency because that is a big deal for sure. You have them bringing back Rob Gronkowski and Indama Kinsu as well. 
Obviously, the big-name guys, and Chris Godwin and Levante David are already back. We'll talk about Shaq Barrett in a second, but we'll work kind of in the other direction. And you have them bringing back Indomitian Sue and Rob Gronkowski. That seems likely, Matt, but then the question becomes, how do they structure contracts for them, especially if there aren't multiple years on contracts for those guys? How do they structure them to be able to, to make the cap work for a guy like Gronk and, and Sue? Well, that's why Mike Greenberg is a genius and he mm. comes up with all the stuff. But part of the things that I did in my Bucks battle plan is uh, unfortunately had to cut Cam Brate, as you did in your battle yeah. plan. I mean, he's a fan favorite. The franchise loves him. And he was a big part of that playoff run. He does become expendable with with OJ Howard coming back. And that takes six point five million off the, um, you know, off the off the salary cap right there. Mm. Uh, I took out $2 million from uh, Will Golston's salary, so he's taking a bit of a pay cut there. And as I said when I was explaining my battle plan, too, I took a little liberties with, um, you know, that Brady's going to get the contract extension and they could restructure right. Mike Evans' deal. Mike Evans, actually, he had a great interview not long after the Super Bowl with Michael Irvin. And Irvin asked him about, like, his willingness to uh, take less money or restructure his deal to sign other guys. And Mike Evans had a great quote. He, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially said that winning will—you'll earn your money back by winning. You know, if you win the Super Bowl, you're going to earn money in different ways, whether it's you know sponsorships, things like that. Yeah. So I thought right. that was a really cool quote. So yes, I did take some liberties with um, the restructuring, the the extensions, and things like that, and that's kind of how it all worked out. Because I think overall with these battle plans. In other years, it's more about like, all right, what big free agent are we going to bring in? Like, who's the one guy that mm -hmm. if this guy comes in, he, you know, he's the last piece of that whole puzzle. The Bucks have the puzzle. They've completed the puzzle. They won the Super Bowl, and it's brilliant. Right. So this year, more than ever, it's not about, oh, who's the flashy guy from another team we could bring? And it's, hey, let's bring back Sue. Let's bring back Gronk. Let's get Jack Barrett here because we already have the finished product. Let's mm -hmm. just keep that together. So I think that made this this uh, box battle plan so different more than recent years. Oh yeah. I was going to say that too. I mean, you know, people have read them and it's great, but it is kind of a little bit, I mean, it's not quite as in the dark. Like we kind of know most of everything that's going to yeah. happen. We don't know exactly how, like we didn't know David's cap. It was only going to be 3.5 million, but we kind of know Gronk will be back. I mean, feels like Sue, if he wants to keep playing, this makes the most sense how it all comes together. Not sure. You know, we'll see Shaq's obviously the question mark. I've said that before. I think that mm -hmm. we're going to be, into free agency with that one would be my guess. Um, Lenny says, Lenny Adrian says, love listening to the show, moved out to Dallas 10 years ago, but I'm still a diehard fan. Too bad I couldn't be there for the Super Bowl run. Go box. Appreciate that, Lenny. That's an awesome call. Thank you, there. Lenny. Yeah. Haas Y Juke says, what are the chances that AB comes back without any guaranteed money? It really depends on what else he's getting from other people. You know, who, who is guaranteeing him any money uh, elsewhere and how much more are they? You know, that's kind of what, it will determine. Um, um, my guess is anybody is going to want to structure a contract with AB right now with some pretty serious um, clauses in it for character. Yeah, because anything can happen at any time. And it could still happen with the box yes. where, where something goes wrong. Right. And the thing is, people are talking about the locker room in the chat. And I hear that. And I said that. But he's not in the locker room for the next however long. You know, maybe he's there for mini camp. If there is mini camp. But right now, nobody's in the locker room, and and so you've got right. time, on, yeah. you know, to for so this is all part of the process that goes into but it. If, if, if he does come back, I have total trust in the Bucks locker room between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, two leaders on that team, and obviously Tom mm -hmm. Brady is a leader and a big influence on Antonio Brown. Where I trust the locker room enough, where when we get to the season, either nothing will happen, or if something happens, they'll correct it, and he'll probably be cut, or you know. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this is all hypothetical and circumstantial, but right, yeah, yes, what I'm saying. right, right. Uh, yeah, if he's in the locker room, I, I'm not really worried about AB in the locker room anyway. You know, people who haven't covered him maybe don't know, but like I've covered AB for years in Pittsburgh, and he is not really like a he's not a leader. And I don't I say that in a positive way or a negative way. He doesn't take guys with him and like let's go do you know like you know this type of behavior is is what we're doing. That's not he's just kind of his own dude. Like he, yeah. So I'm not really worried at all about the fractures in the locker. Room I mean, think about like that. think about the parade. He wasn't on the boat where everyone was going wild with like Mike Evans and Gronk and right exactly Scottie right and Chris. Yep. You know he had he's a, on his own boat with his own people. Is yeah. he? Know, he had Tyler always, Johnson with him. He had Tyler he's Johnson. Got, so yeah. Oh, did he have Tyler Johnson with him? Yeah, okay, I, I know what the least to do with them. I'm not sure. Who oh no, him. Tyler Johnson. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> oh no. 
That's Josh funny. Uh, I didn't know that he had Tyler Johnson with him. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's kind of who he's. So I, again, I don't think it's, a, I'm not like super worried about that part of it, but the, uh, the part I would be is like when he's not around the facility, then what happens? And again, it just becomes a hard guy to trust. So that's why the guaranteed money is going to be low from anywhere. If it, if it gets any at all. And I bet there'll be clauses in the contract and, 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 you know, the conduct would be pivotal to him collecting any guarantees anyway. So um, that's kind of how I see that one. No one's going to just offer him like fully guaranteed big money. Um, okay, let's go back to the battle plan because you do have them bringing back Shaq Barrett. You have them on a $19 million a year deal, as did I, I think. Um, we've talked about this a lot in the pod. We won't touch on it very long. They find a way to do it, right? I mean, Shaq, the, the David low contract cap hit, it all kind of suggests they're going to make this happen with Shaq. We know they've been in conversations with him. This is priority number one right now. I feel yeah, like they're going to find a way. Pretty much everything you just said. I mean, he becomes the number one guy that they want to re-sign with that situation. Because I think even, I mean, we just saw last season, the Bucks didn't have Vita Vea for most of it, and Dominican Sue did yeah. a great job. Uh, you know, taking over that role. But what if we flipped it where it's like, and Dom can sue doesn't come back. So, but you know, the defensive line is still being led by Vita Vea. I think the bucks could get away with, okay, Vita Vea is our number one guy. We don't have Sue because he either retires or he signs with another team because they don't have enough money. And they take that money that they were going to pay Sue with and give it to Shaq Barrett to make sure Shaq Barrett is back. I think the bucks would live with that situation. Right. I agree. I mean, I think that, Again, it becomes a place of a thing of value, right? Like yeah. Shaq Barrett is you can't replace him right now on this team. You're picking 32. You're probably gonna have to pay a lot for anybody who's comparable to Shaq as an edge rusher. Why not just pay Shaq? Yeah. And just kind I mean, of like being in the window guy, and not having a better option. Right. You're gonna bring another guy who's the same age, who's just as skilled, but he's gonna have to learn the entire defense versus yeah. versus having a guy that has already been there and was mm-hmm. the sack leader two seasons ago and did great in the playoffs. Right. So. Right. I really appreciated you beating Taylor Jenkins to the punch and bringing back South Florida's uh, Marlon Mack <laughs> because, I mean, honestly, I already know. I haven't even seen Taylor's Bucks battle plan. Tomorrow he's going to come on this pod and he's going to be like, oh, I have Marlon Mack coming back. I'm like, nah, we're not even going to talk about that because Taylor already did it and it's old hat. You just copied it and we'll just move right past it. But Marlon Mack, I mean, coming off an injury – I thought about this more and more when I saw that you were putting him on there. And I, I kind of like this, Matt. What was your thought process behind sending Marlon back to the Bucks? Yeah, I was thinking of Grizz when I made this deal. Uh, I'm sorry, Grizz. I didn't want to steal your shine, but I just thought it was a good fit. If <laughs> Taylor, if you want to take someone from the University of Tampa, be my guest. You go do That's that. Right. <laughs> my, my thought process behind it is I think it kills two birds with one stone. Obviously, the big thing everyone wants, and running back is the the big position for the free agency from not from the box that someone wants to bring in. Yeah. The bucks need a pass catching back. And if you look at the stats, Mac doesn't have like crazy numbers with the receiver, but if you just watch his, you know, go watch go YouTube highlights of Marlon Mack in his first couple of years. He's a very capable pass catcher. I think his first career touchdown, he caught a ball twisting when it was like thrown behind him and he caught it and ran like another 15 yards for a touchdown. Nice player. Yeah, he's very good as a receiver. So it, it's an upgrade as a receiving running back, which is like number one, what the Bucks want at running back. I also think down the road, too, because I have him signing as, as a two-year deal. One, he's coming back from an injury. He's going to want to prove himself. Everyone loves a good homecoming. He played at USF. He's going to be playing at Raymond James Stadium. But, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a scenario next season where the Bucs don't get Ronald Jones back. He may hit free agency and may sign somewhere else. So Mac has starting experience. He's a guy that could be uh, – he can come in and tote the rock, as I like to say, if Jones gets hurt, which we saw he got hurt a couple times last season. Or, you know, if he needs a break, Matt can be the guy. So if, yeah. if we run into a situation two seasons from now when the Bucks need a starting running back, I would be pretty confident with relying on Marlon Mack as the number one guy if whatever rookie they draft isn't ready yet or if he's just going to be a third down guy. Another thing, too, going back to the receiving – Mac doesn't have many drops and Ronald Jones, as we saw, has a lot of drops. So those are really the two big uh, thought points for me. And, you know, he wants to prove himself and he could probably Bucks and probably get him for a very cheap deal because he's coming off of an injury. Yep, you're exactly right. Coming off the injury into this free agent market as the least valuable position on the field. No matter what you think of Marlon Mack, if you think he's a top 10 running back in the league, if you think he's top five in the league, if you think he's the word, doesn't matter. Like 
he's not going to get a great deal this offseason. And he knows that probably at this point. That's his agents hopefully have prepared him for that. He's not going to get a, a big, big multi-year name. deal. There's right. a lot of big names in this running back free agent class, too. There, there are. There's not yeah. the case. Right. There's a lot of good – and there's Aaron Jones and there's Leonard Fournette and there's James Conner at the top kind of. And so you're like, okay, if those guys do get paid, and I don't even think Conner's going to get paid, honestly. I think – Yeah, me neither. Oh, but you, you know. And I said, you know, I said this yesterday when I – because I had the Bucks taking Jamal Williams and bringing him uh, to the into the t- with the team uh, as a free agent. I think that the market for those kind of good, good but not great feature backs, you guys that are good and capable, can help a team – I think they're going to want short deals, one or two years, and they're going to not cost very much, and they're going to try to prove it and then get back out there when the market's better in a year or two. That's what I look at. And I, so I think somebody like a running back in free agency that's a good player, good pass catcher, it's going to be possible for them to get that at a very low rate. So like the signing of Marlon Mack, okay, what about Henry Anderson, a former Jet, a former Todd Bowles guy, right, produced a little bit under Todd Bowles, kind of a backup type to somebody like Will Golston, doesn't play on the edge, but – really plays inside a little bit more. You, you think he could be a possibility? Yeah. Um, he just got cut by the Jets. He played one season with Todd Bowles in, in Bowles' uh, last season as the Jets head coach. And Anderson had his best season, at least as far as um, pass rushing goes. He had seven sacks with Todd Bowles at the helm. The, my main reason for picking him was, one, because of that. Um, I think he's an upgrade from Nacho in the sense that he can still stop the run much like Nacho does, but he brings that pass rushing skill. Now that season, you can make the case that he was playing for a new contract and he got that new contract and he didn't necessarily live up to it. But I would counter that with Anderson had to be the number one guy as a pass rusher for the Jets for a while. The Jets have not, <laughs> had, crazy to think about, the Jets have just... not had a good pass rusher since John Abraham played for that. Off so the edge for sure. Yeah, yeah. So now we're talking about Anderson coming here. And if, if Shaq is back, they obviously still have JPP. Anderson doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to play every single snap. So I think getting a little bit more of a break, he that pass rushing skill that Nacho didn't have while still stopping the run. I think it's a great fit for a guy that's played in Todd Bowles' system, played great in Todd Bowles' system the one year that he was there. And again, doesn't have to be the top guy. So he can really bring another uh, another factor to this defense that um if if one guy is out the production won't drop off as much he's not as much as the you know energetic guy that nacho is but the, the bucks have Devin white on defense they got a guy that's gonna pump yeah, everyone yeah. up right right no i i like it i mean again you were looking for guys in this slot in this mid-tier range and that anderson's like a good player he's not somebody you want on the field every down but he helps your team good depth guy can start when you need him to can move around a little bit on the d-line yeah, I think he's a solid player. And so, I mean, that's the kind of guy you're going to get for cheap and short-term deals this offseason, yeah. and, and that can help the team in that role. So, okay, Ty Sambrello. This is where I'll get after you a little bit, Matt, because I think Ty Sambrello is hot garbage. <laughs> and I really? thought that for a long time. I've not been a Ty Sambrello fan. And I think it started when Vic Beasley had like four sacks in a game against this guy. And Vic Beasley, not very good. But here's the thing. Ty Sambrello has played all over offensive line. He provides depth at a lot of different spots. Even though I would hate this signing, I think it's not far fetched for if it actually had. If you're saying it actually has a chance to happen, I wouldn't disagree with you there. Yeah, I would pretty much just say one versatility is so important. And the last time I was on, we were talking about how the depth at offensive line is so important for this team because of what happened in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Are they able to counteract that with with Aaron mm-hmm. sitting in? And obviously, it doesn't get more important with tackle. For him, I would just say, you know, he he has starting experience. He replaced Taylor Lewan last season in Tennessee when he was hurt for a while. I don't think it, it hurts to really have a guy that has had starting experience. And for the Bucks, you know, Donovan Smith plays hurt all the time. He rarely gets injured. And, um, you know, Tristan Wirfs is arguably the best right tackle in football. Right. So hopefully right. we don't get to that situation where they have to be in. But. God forbid, if we if we are in that situation, I'd like to have a guy that has starting experience versus someone that, you know, could be uh, yeah. a little nervous, a little a little jittery in that, right. in that start. And he has gotten better. It's just, I mean, he's you're talking about a guy who started bottom tier. I mean, he was he's had some rough ones in the NFL, but he does keep getting jobs and he does work hard and he does yeah. play a lot of different positions. So 
I could again, I don't wouldn't like it, but I could see it actually happening. I think it was a realistic move. And again, it's going to be very cheap, which is what the Bucks are looking for. Just finding some cheap depth pieces. Okay, let's get to your draft here. I I kind of like your draft. Scott and I actually, I think it was after we were on the on the uh, we were off the air yesterday, but when we were off the air, we were looking at your draft. It was like, okay, I can get on board with some of this. Christian Barmore at the end of round one, falling all the way. Most people's number one defensive tackle in the class go falling all the way to 32. At first, I thought this might be crazy. Then I looked grinding the mocks.com. Christian Barmore is the most commonly mocked player to the Bucks right now. So it might have no chance of happening. I don't know. But a lot of people think it has a chance of happening right now in their mock drafts. Why do you like Christian Barmore with the Bucks? Yeah, I've seen him mocked as, as far as like middle of the round, first round pick or middle of the second round being a pick. Uh, I love we that- don't know anything about this draft. Exactly. Well, that's, the beauty just- of, that's the beauty of the draft is, you know, one person thinks he's a first rounder. Another person thinks he's a third rounder. No one really knows. Especially no knows this year. We don't have information. We yeah, don't have testing them. Like, like, we don't have anything. That's the beauty of it. You know, every, everyone has an opinion and mm-hmm. we'll see what happens from there. I love him with the Bucks because the the clear and obvious case is that he would be a successor to Indomitian Sue. He's mm-hmm. freaking just massive mm-hmm. over the middle. He's a guy that can take up two blockers, freeing Vita Vea. Um, he's played some of he's he's just a a powerful guy. He's got a good he's he's got a good first step, good first punch. Yeah. He's decent with his hands. He goes a lot with the bull rush which I don't mind, but I feel like sometimes in college football, if you rely too much on the bull rush because you're just overpowering guys from lesser schools, that doesn't always, you can't just rely on that in the NFL. So, you know, you can be a little worried about, can he develop more of more pass rushing skills? But I think that's something to be said about, well, Vita Bea, we said that he needs to get better at the pass rush. And then we saw him getting a little better and better, particularly this season before he got hurt. So I think that's something that he can, um, definitely improve on, especially with, with the Bucks coaching staff. I yeah. just like that. You know, he's another guy that can clog up the middle, stop the run and, um, you know, take up a lot of blockers to free up some other guys. Yeah. He's, I really, I like to state more than I thought I would, to be honest, his obviously his work in the, in the playoff games was great. Played his best yeah. football as the game, as the season went on, he's still very young, still developing. But when you flash like that as a pass rusher at the college level, I started to get pretty excited. So I did not think he was a, as good a pass rusher as when I watched him. I was like, okay, he's actually might be a better pass rusher than the run defender right now. But I, I'm excited about him too. I would I would like that pick a lot at 32 if he gets there. I mean, yeah, I know it's a yeah. bad D tackle class. I'm not saying he's as good as some other Bama D tackles we've seen come out. But I think he has real potential and he's super young and he already is figuring things out as a rusher. One of the big things I look for is college guys that pass rush do they always try to overpower people and zap their pass rush game? Can we push through everybody? Can I bull rush everybody? Can I long arm everybody? Or do I try to work the, to their edges of blockers and then turn to the quarterback, things like that? Because in the NFL, in college, you might be able to bully people as a pass rusher, or right. you might be able to beat them through gaps with your first step. That's another thing I look for. But can you actually work a guy? Can you cross his face? Can you line up out his outside shoulder and, and speed rush him and then cross his face to his inside shoulder? Barmore does that stuff. That's pretty advanced stuff for a college rusher. I would be very excited about him with the Bucs at 32. I don't think he's going to get there just because the defense tackle class is so bad. Someone will will see him as this. He might be here and someone will see him here yeah. because the rest of the class isn't very yeah, good. Sometimes, but, it's, sometimes it's wishful thinking with these things. I mean, I have Jalen Phillips and I think he might go into the Bucs and I think he might be the best defensive player in the class. So maybe yeah. it's wishful thinking. <laughs> you know, some mocks have these guys going to the top 15, you know, Phillips and Barmore and Najee Harris and Etienne and some mocks have them fall into the box. I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> that type of year, man. We just don't know that much. One place you can go to learn more, though, is Locker Room. Locker Room is a social audio app that is changing the way we talk about sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. I'm telling you, Matt, we, these Locker Room sessions are fun. I had one last night. Had some people in there, man. It's a good time. It's like kind of like the insiders chat. Like fans get in, they ask audio questions, and they or they offer their you know a couple fans were arguing with me about my edge rankings last night. I was telling them <laughs> what I see, 
when I scout these guys and how I scout them and they were asking questions. Some were disagreeing with me, some were agreeing, but we just had great lively dialogue about the edge rusher class, about some things related to the Bucks too. Some of it was just draft talk. There were non-Bucks fans in there. Um, we just get about 15 to 25 people in there and we just talk. And, and I told some stories that I probably wouldn't tell on the pod or whatever. It's kind of like a little insider chat. There's stories about players, conversations I've had with players, things like that. It's kind of like a little insider chat. It's I like it a lot. It's a lot of oh, fun. It, so if you get the chance, it's yeah, download Locker great, It's always a great time being on Locker Room. Grizz and yeah. I did one uh, last week. We're going to be doing another one this week. And obviously yours was a little more structured with the topic. We just yeah. kind of go at all different areas yeah. and different angles. You never know exactly what the discussion is going to be when it comes to the Tampa right. Bay Buccaneers, but it's always a fun time. I can, uh, right. I can tell you that. Oh, yeah, and I'll have one next Tuesday night after my briefing call, so we should have plenty to talk about free agency, and you and, and Taylor will be on Thursday night, uh, so you have plenty to talk about. So, again, follow Pewter Report if you download the Locker Room app. I'm sorry, I know Android people. It's not available for Android yet. Get yourself some type of Apple device if you have one laying around, any time, you know, iPad, whatever. Try and jump in there uh, and join us if you can, but if you can't, I do apologize for that. I, we, you know, I think they are working to that end, uh, but I know not available for Android just yet. Um, so, Good stuff on locker room for sure going on. Okay, back to the draft, Matt. Quincy Roche in the second round. Here's where I can get mad at you again. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I don't love Roche's game, man. I, yeah, I, I, I read your – sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. But no, you're good. Honestly, I saw your article. You had him more as a, as, as a third-round guy, which is fine. I'm not going to argue with that because, I mean – talking with you about the draft is like trying to talk to trying to talk math with Einstein, you know, like I, <laughs> I already know that you, you have NFL draft in your Twitter handle. So um, it's true. If I anyway. change it, if I change it, they'll take my check Mark and I, I need that dopamine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with Roche, he obviously, for those who don't know, he played a temple before he transferred over to Miami. Right. Um, you know, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles, they love their Temple guys. They're going to be looking at them. So I'm banking a little bit on we're going to see the Roche that we saw at, at Temple more than, um, I don't want to say lackluster, but maybe a, yeah. a, a season with Miami that didn't necessarily reach the expectations that many had for him. He has a nose for a football. He's great at stripping the ball from the quarterback, which obviously is something that the coaching staff is, is going to love. Uh, would like to see him do a little better with the pass rush. And when you're when you're drafting an edge rusher, you're obviously not looking for a guy that's going to like stop the run first, but he's very solid in stopping the run, which is Todd Bowles' mantra. So I, I think, too, he's very good at kind of like reaching the angles, as you talked about, being able to get that, get that rush going on the outside. Just can he do a little bit more with it? And again, he's going to be behind Shaq and JPP. He's going to be learning from these guys. So I think he's going to just be a sponge his first season and take up so much while also competing against Anthony Nelson for that third, uh, third right. pass rusher spot. Now I do. I will say this. I think Roche, I like him more than I liked Anthony Nelson coming out. So I would have higher hopes for him as a yeah. third rusher. He actually could be good in that role. And he is pretty pro ready. Like, I don't think he's like a super raw guy that won't help him this year. So for now, I think it could be fine. Long term. I don't think he'd be worth a second round pick. That would be yeah. where I'd I was already thinking. I, I obviously we know JPP and Shaq. They never want to come off the field. They've said that yeah. a million times. But I can see a situation where if they're going to get a breather here and there, you put him in on first and second down, where it's mm -hmm. more likely going to be a rundown. Mm -hmm. Bucks do their thing as the best run stopping defense in the NFL. Then Shaq or JPP comes on on uh, on third down, and he does his job yep. there. So I think there's definitely pockets where. He can, he can be contribute. a factor for the yeah. Bucks defense. I also like too when he does a sack, he does like a money sign thing. That's right. uh, I, I don't know if you noticed that, but I, I don't know. I kind of like that too. That doesn't really have anything to do with why you should draft. <laughs> but you know, I like the little. I like the little. No, money. I mean I put that in a scouting report for sure. I love that kind of stuff. I always <laughs> watch for that kind of stuff. You know, um, you know, one thing he went into last year and he said the biggest thing I want to work on is my run defense, and it did get better. I do think he's a guy that loves the sport. Um, my biggest concern with Quincy Roche is that. He is primarily a guy who wins on the outside shoulder of the tackle, and he's not explosive or fast. So if you don't have great athleticism and you primarily don't and you don't really win with power, I don't know what you are in the NFL as a pass rusher. And that's where I get hung up with him. Like he is kind of crafty and he does have kind of like good body control at the top of the arc, but he doesn't, you know, I watched him against Virginia Tech's Christian Darisaw, who's obviously Darisaw is going to be, you know, most people think he's going to be a top 15, 20 pick. And I just thought that Darisaw was so slow out of his stance, but 
he never threatened him. I was like, man, if Roche was just quicker, it was just faster, it would really make it tough for Derisaw because he was just really lethargic out of his stance. And Roche just didn't really threaten him early enough. And then late in the game, it was obvious past situations for Virginia Tech. And there were some good battle moments, but I still didn't feel like he was threatening enough um, to where I was like, this is the kind of guy like I'd want, you know, but I would be curious to see him in that third rusher role. And again, part of the advantage is you have a competent guy out there who was better than Anthony Nelson. You can kick JPP inside. And so there still would be some value to add. Oh yeah. For sure. I like, I Michael, like JPP moves on the inside. Yeah, that me was, too. That I mean, that's, fun. you've yeah, that's different. Some, some, some good stuff there over the last couple of years on tape for sure. Uh, Michael Carter in the third round. I had Michael Carter going. I had them trading back into the third round. You would have this at the end of the third round. Running backs, you never know when they're going to, you know, they're going to sit on the board for a long time. He's small back too. So I don't think that's crazy at all to say. I mean, his range could be anywhere in there in the third round. Uh, what do you like about Michael Carter's game for the Bucs? Yeah. So fun, fun little story, real quick. When we were doing our Bucks battle plan last year, it was the, kind of the same order. So you were the day before me. And I remember one of the oh, targets right. I was going for was Trey Boston. Now, no offense to Trey Boston, but thankfully the Bucs didn't get him. They drafted Antoine Winfield Jr. And now they have a great up and coming safety. But anyway, so I, I'm doing my research. I'm, I'm watching everything. And then your battle plan comes out and you have Trey Boston as one of your free agents. And I'm like, damn it. I want to trade Boston. I kept him in it anyway, but I'm like, everyone's going to think that, uh, that, you know, I just took John's idea and I put that in. So fast forward to this season or this Bucks battle plan. I knew I wanted Carter on my list, but at the time I, again, I'm doing the research and I'm like, is he a three? Is he a four? Is he potentially a late two? I'm looking at all the stuff. And, and then your mock draft drops. Uh, well, yeah, mock draft yeah. In, the, in the battle. Oh, plan. Yeah. And there he is in the third round. And my first reaction was like, all right, cool. He's a, he's a third rounder. And then yeah. I can do that. But then I'm like, ah, he did it again. He took my guy and has him in there. I'm like, come <laughs> on, man. Hey, listen, it was probably a good thing you didn't follow me on Trey Boston because uh, yeah. he, didn't, he went from having like four good years in a row. I put him in my Bucks battle plan. He actually gets paid that offseason for the first time. Yeah. Then he has his worst year. And Carolina didn't use him right, but has his worst year in Carolina. So it's fortuitous for you that it worked out that way. He didn't end up looking But uh, anyway, back, back to Carter. The, mm -hmm. the thing I really like about him, I mean, if the, if the Bucks draft him, I think he would be the best receiving running back that the Bucs would have. And again, they, that goes back to what the priority is for the running back position for this team. I like that he played in a two-back system too with Williams because that's, mm -hmm. again, that's going to be the situation that he's going to be in with the Bucs. The Bucs like to, to rotate their running backs or at least have two guys going. And he can definitely make guys miss, especially when he's in the open field. He's got a little bit of a, you know, a thump to him when he, when he's trying to hit people, but he's quick enough to, twist and, and slash and, and get by guys there too. So I, I think there's always a great value in getting a running back. That's not the number one guy like an Etienne or, or a Harris. There, there's always great value in getting a running back in a later round. And like I said, he's a, he was, he's a receiving guy that you can be confident with when he has the ball in his hands. Uh, one of his highlights was a, was a great screenplay. I don't think it's this play, but uh, not this yeah, play. I this play is not yeah. down the field. Yeah. Part of it too don't, is like, okay, do you see Ronald Jones making that play? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Good point. No. Yeah, I mean, I I'm a big Michael Carter fan. Obviously, I think he is. Uh, his tape is great. Um, he brings a lot of elements to the box that I think would be really nice to have. We've talked about him a lot on this show, but good fit for sure. Okay, Purdue inside linebacker Derek Barnes. I know you're talking about me in the draft, but I'm going to be honest. I have not seen Derek Barnes. I've heard other people talk about him. I haven't seen any Derek Barnes. What do you like about him and a potential fit with the box? I really like that. He's a blue collar type of linebacker. You know, he's going to hit you hard. He's going to lay a helmet on a guy. He's going mm -hmm. to be attacking every single play. He's a physical player, which I really like. Is he the most athletically gifted? No. I mean, I feel like that's the big 10 in a nutshell. It's like you get guys that hit hard, they play really hard, but maybe they're not the most gifted guys, especially at a linebacker position. My thought process behind that though, besides the, the traits that he has is Levante David's here for a two-year deal. I'm not saying this guy is going to be the successor to him, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you want to look at that fourth linebacker that Jack yep. Sitchie always is always hurt. So he's right. not really going to be there. And eventually Kevin Minter too. We like him. He's a very solid backup linebacker in, uh, in my opinion, but mm -hmm. it's a situation where if they only sign him to a one-year deal, he might not be back next season. You're better off having a guy ready waiting in the wings. And I think sure. this guy could be it. He also played special teams early on in his career. 
mm. which obviously being a fourth round pick, if he makes a team, he's going to be playing special teams. So I like that about him too. Yeah, no, that's good reasoning. I like that. I'm excited to watch him now. Uh, check him out a little bit. We had uh, somebody make comment. Uh, Ty said Michael Carter in the third makes less sense with the signing of Mac. I'll let you address it too, Matt. But my my guess is Mac signing a short deal, and then you have Mac and Jones both hitting free agency next year, and you wouldn't have anybody if you didn't draft somebody really. Uh, so I think no matter what the Bucks do in free agency or running back, because they're not going to sign anybody to a big long term deal, I don't yeah. think. And so then you still you're complimenting that with the draft because you don't have, unless you plan to draft somebody next year at running back, but you're going to have other needs. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously you don't want to reach for a running back, but I think running back's definitely on the table for them. Even if they reach, even if they sign somebody like Mac, right. Right. And also, I mean, what if Michael Carter is in a similar situation with Keyshawn Vaughn where like, Oh, there's some potential, but we're not exactly totally confident insuring him. I mean, it's obviously not a guarantee with a third round pick that he's going to automatically like flourish. I think too, Bucks fans might be a little bit spoiled with last year's draft in the sense that Tristan Wirfs may go down as like the greatest pick of all time by the Bucks, and and Winfield obviously could also go down as like the best defensive pick of all time in that second round pick. And you got contributions from Tyler Johnson. You're not always going to see a guy just absolutely flourish in his first season. So I think you mm-hmm. got to have another plan in place if if Carter doesn't become the guy that we think he is and Vaughn doesn't improve. It, it's nice to have a backup plan. So I think that's where Mac fits in. Yeah, for sure. Last year's draft, not something. No matter how good you are at the draft, you are not I mean, doing that every year. Draft. It was yeah. such a good draft. <laughs> right, right. You're not going to see that every year, no matter how good you are at the draft. There's no question about it. Uh, okay, so Grambling, uh, from Grambling, we got a Grambling State guard center. David Moore was at the Senior Bowl, played really well at the Senior Bowl. I really like this pick. I liked this pick. Uh, I think we talked, maybe we had him in one of our Bucks seven-round mocks. I can't remember, but this is a guy that definitely fits the Bucks in my mind. I mean, it's not a Tampa Bay Buccaneers draft if you're not picking a, an offensive lineman from a non-D1 school. You That's know? true. He, he's another guy. He, he's really big. I mean, watching his highlight tape. Now, the problem is, again, it's against lesser competition, but he just yeah. dummies guys. I mean, Well, he, I mean, he did the same thing at the Senior Bowl. He put everybody yeah. down. I mean, he was the Senior Bowl play, practice player of the week. He put people in their butt all week. I mean, yeah. that was Power 5 exactly. guys. He, he's, he's very strong. He's a good run blocker. Uh, everyone likes to talk about the the telephone booth. He, he he's solid in doing that in, uh, in in pass blocking. The the one thing again, and he's like a, de- a developmental project too. But I mean, he's going to go to Harold Goodwin and Joe Gilbert. I think that's I mean that's a great coaching staff to go to mm-hmm. to prep this guy. And again, he's not going to be starting in week one. So this is a guy you can kind of show him the ropes and he can tag along and, and, and learn his way. Um, he wasn't the best at really getting out in space and, and mm-hmm. finding uh, defenders when he's out in the open, which the Bucks do like to, uh, you know, do a lot of screens and things like that. So that's obviously mm-hmm. something he can work on. But again, as a fifth round pick, I like right. it. I mean, that's yeah, why I did uh, it, right? I did it. Right. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you find a trade to hang your hat on in the fifth round, right? You know, you're not getting a complete player. What's a trait you can work with and build around? That's really mm-hmm. what I try to look for. You know, if he does he have one dominant trait, okay, he's a great power guy. He can absolutely smash people. Great. Then let's build around that. Let's ask him to do those types of things. Let's help him to do a couple other things maybe, but let's build. Let's start at that point where you know he has one really good trait. That even if he if he gets plugged in the lineup, even if he has a couple bad plays, you know you're getting this from him on this amount of plays. I love that that way of scouting for sure. So, okay, round seven, you've got South Alabama linebacker Riley Cole, who I also have not seen, and then Florida wide receiver Teron Grimes. I don't remember if it was here on the locker room, but I was just mentioning Grimes, actually, and I think he was in one of our seven-round box mocks too. Um, but I was just mentioning him as a potential – as a guy that could be a good fit for the Bucs because he's big receiver, he's a vertical receiver, makes contested catches, has pretty good speed, seems like a Bucks type of guy. Tell me what you see in Riley Cole and Trevon Grimes. Yeah, so Riley Cole, what I liked about him, again, he comes from a small school, so you you know he's going to be out there trying to to prove himself. He went from, it was around like 56 tackles his junior year to 96 tackles his senior year. So he's just a guy that's going to be all over the place. And then I just like him in the seventh round where you know he's a guy that you know really wants. It comes from, from a small school. He knows he's got nothing to lose, so he's going to be going out you know, as hard as he possibly can. And we'll right. see if he sticks on special teams. I think that's really, you know, at this point that's in the seventh a- round, you're looking for special teams guys. You're looking for guys that are versatile. And, and he's a smart guy. So you, Bruce Aarons talks about all the time the accountability chart and having smart mm-hmm. players, and that's very important. Yep. He falls into that category, so that's why I picked him. As Love far it. as Grimes, there's a lot of things he said. 
vertical down the field, can catch the contested ball. Uh, I'm really thinking that he's going to compete with Justin Watson and potentially take his job, maybe play some special teams. So that was really my thought process in that is he has talent. Obviously, he's a late-round pick. We'll see what he can do. Can he be better than Justin Watson? There you go. Right, right. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I had them taking a receiver in that range too. And again, I think late round, you know, we've got another guy. They love receivers. They always draft, seem to draft one. Yeah. If it's success late, you know, I mean, even even Watson hang around as long as he is as a late pick, you know, that's a yeah. that's been a solid pick for them. And so, you know, keep trying. Uh, you're good at it. Keep trying. And you can never have enough guys at that. That and corner, I mean, you more talent you have, the better at those spots. So I'm fine, right. with, even though their positions of strength for the Bucks are, or at least positions, not positions of need for the Bucks. Um, I'm I'm all for continuing to add to those and give yourself flexibility with your roster uh, down the road for sure. So good stuff, Matt. I liked it. I like the three agents. I like the the draft. I really did. I'm so I'm really excited tomorrow because again, I'm you're the guy that uh, you know will will have the your your opinion matters to a lot of people, including myself. I'm the I'm the critic. That's I'm yeah. the critic guy. <laughs> if, if it's bad, I'll be like, this is bad, you know. And that's yeah. what's gonna happen tomorrow on the podcast. Taylor Jenkins comes on. I haven't seen one thing that he's going to do, but I'm going to rip all of it. No, I'm just kidding. Now, Taylor will be on tomorrow on the pod, 4 p.m. We're going to have an extra pod this week. If you hadn't heard that earlier in the week, we'll be on 4 p.m. tomorrow with Taylor. We'll talk about his Bucks battle plan. We'll talk about any news that happens with the Bucks. We'll see what, what uh, goes down in the next 24 hours. Uh, but we'll talk about that uh, news with the Bucks, preview free agency a little bit, talk about Taylor's battle plan, what he has them doing in the draft, what he has them doing in free agency. Been a fun, fun series all week. Great participation from y'all. And then remember, next week, we will be going live in the evenings, okay? So 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, subscribe Peter Report TV. Subscribe to the Peter Report Podcast on YouTube. Hit the bell to get the notifications so you remember we're going live at night next week because we'll have all the free agency flurry during the day. We'll go live in, in the evenings, and we'll break all of it down. We'll get you caught up on everything. Very fun week planned for y'all next week. Cannot wait to break it all down with y'all and get some reactions, maybe even to some live news like we had earlier this week when Levante David re-signed during the podcast on Tuesday. So it's going to be fun stuff. Matt, thanks for jumping on and and giving us the breakdown, man. That was good stuff. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll do it again sometime soon. Tomorrow, Taylor Jenkins, 4 p.m. He joins me. We're going to rip him. All you fans, get ready. We're going to rip him. Let's just come in real savage, and he's going to have no idea what's going on. Everybody get in the chat and start ripping right off the bat and we're gonna we're gonna see what we kind of reaction we can get from taylor so until then thanks so much for listening to another edition of the pewter report podcast out out